one. Good evening, afternoon, night, morning, whenever you find a way to watch or listen to this podcast. It's me, Omar from Hardware, back with a friend of the podcast, Mike Terrell, uh, my fellow colleague at redshirtsports.xyz. And we're here to talk about a lot of really a hot button topic in FCS football right now in terms of realignment. Really the only news in realignment right now um, happening in the OVC, the Ohio Ohio Valley Conference and Big South Alliance. And we're just going to look at this, what the season lays ahead for um, the Ohio Valley Conference and Big South Alliance as well. So, uh, Mike, thanks for joining. Um, how's everything going? It's going good, Omar. Going real good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, any, any day, you know, we get to talk about football and any day it, it's, it's a great day and any day closer to the kickoff of the season. I'm so excited. I can't speak any day closer to the season's kickoff is a, an amazing day as well as we're less. Yeah. Less than two weeks away from a uh, week zero on the FCS kickoff and whatnot. So I'm doing phenomenal. The, the wait's almost over. Exactly. Exactly. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm excited too, especially with the, uh, with the Big South and OVC Alliance, which is the OVC, Big South OVC Association now, uh, it's going to be kind of it's it's going to be new and exciting to see where this goes. The, I believe the, with the Big South and uh, OVC, the talent level is extremely even across the board. So there should be some really good football. Yeah, I agree completely. And like you said, it's going to be unique. It's going to be different. And some of these matchups you're going to see just once and they'll be gone forever, which leads us to our first topic. Uh, Bryant, the Bryant Bulldogs out in Smithfield, Rhode Island have left. They announced that they're leaving the Big South OBC Alliance after the season Joining the Colonial Athletic Conference, Athletic, or sorry, not Colonial, the Coastal Athletic Association. It's going to take some time getting used to saying that, you know. Um, but they're joining the Coastal Athletic Association uh, in football only. But this brings the alliance down to nine members, or actually 10 members as Western Illinois comes back, which is what, which we talked about a couple months ago. So they'll have 10 right. members. It's all the same. It's essentially a swap out. But Mike, I want to know your thoughts on on how whether this benefits the alliance, whether this hurts the alliance. I just want to know your thoughts on the move. Oh boy, it's a good question. Um, me personally, I don't think it hurts the alliance. I really, honestly, don't. Uh, now, my opinion may be a little bit different if it wasn't. If Western wasn't joining the conference, uh, wasn't joining the OVC conference in 2024, uh, because I think anytime you have a conference that has an odd number, whether it be seven, nine, eleven, there's just something about the the scheduling and things in in a in an odd numbered conference that uh, I don't like, and. Uh, I think also I think it, there's a lot of benefit for Brian, uh, and I don't believe anybody anybody that is a, is is a true fan of FCS and a true fan of Brian or the Big South or OVC. I don't think anybody could truly blame Brian for the move into the CAA. Uh, for one, they're going to pick up in-state rival Rhode Island. 
for two, it's they're they're putting themselves in a better position to for financially, you know, as far as regionality. Uh, and it just makes sense. Uh, you know, versus what's going on in the FBS, this actually makes sense to uh, realign and have Bryant move into the CAA. Uh, so, really, I don't, I, I honestly don't see any way that it's going to uh, um, adversely affect the association. Uh, I think actually it's good for it. Uh, the only thing is now is it kind of puts Robert Morris in question. Uh, but I, it's media days this year, or media day, but, you know, kind of the impression that I have, people I've talked to, and, you know, things that I've, articles that I've read, and uh, other podcasts that I've seen, um, and just going and looking at their website, Robert Morris's website. I think they're perfectly content with where they're at. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. So, I mean, definitely what, what you said for Brian really strikes. Um, I, I really, I really like it makes a lot of sense because it's really hard. I, I can imagine how hard it was to get excited about these matchups, having teams from Missouri, from Illinois, from Tennessee coming to town teams that you really don't really share much with culturally, but now being in the, co in the coastal athletic association, like you said, the Rhode Island game is a conference game. There'll actually be actual stakes uh, in store for that game. A actually the actual conference and playoff implications with that game. So that definitely is a win for the Bryant fan base as well. And then also too, like you also have former rivals in Albany, former NEC, uh, yeah, I, th I think there, I think there's a little bit of overlap with uh, the Albany and uh, and Bryant uh, for a year or two in the NEC, but you get natural rivals as well, and that is just so huge for Bryant to have. So, no hard feelings against Bryant in this alliance, but just it, it just it was like a forced marriage. It was like an arranged marriage. Uh, was forced to work out, and now they're out. And I think going on to Robert Morris, um, I I would agree that I think they're they're happy where they're at because uh, that's a basketball school. Um, you know, and of course, they're not a basketball school on the level of like Kentucky or uh, or Duke or anything, but they have a proud basketball tradition. I still remember like years back when they when they beat Kentucky in the first round of the NIT. Um, they have a couple of uh, NCAA tournament appearances, and they wouldn't have made the move from the NEC to the Horizon League. They wouldn't have made that move um if they if they didn't care about basketball more than they cared about football. That's not to say they don't care. But I think right now, I think um, the geography of the the alliance, it's not it's not bad at all. I, I mean, uh, Robert Morris is already making trips to Indiana. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're making trips to Illinois in the Horizon League, but they're making trips to Indiana already as it is. They're making like kind of they're making trips to Michigan in basketball, too. So it's not unnatural to them. Um, so. I, I think I think it definitely helps their long term viability in the alliance too, especially with it at ten teams. Because scheduling, like you said, scheduling uh, with ten teams is difficult, 
especially now that there's like no independence really in um FCS and FCS football. Um, so I I definitely agree with that. I think I think this helps the long term stability of the alliance as well. Um, I I just kind of feel bad for the Carolina schools. Um, for Charleston Southern and Gardner Webb, you know, um, because this isn't the best place for them, but travel is not bad at all to the Tennessee schools. It it really isn't. No, I that. That's not a that's not a long bus trip at all for them to even come up to Charleston. Uh, and Western's not going to be that much of an extension to their travel time. Uh, you know, it'd be if they were if, if they were in the Missouri Valley or that I could see where that would definitely be a, a hindrance. But as far as the Big South and OEC. There's really nothing there. There, actually, Tennessee is is probably Tennessee State, uh, UTM, Tennessee Tech are probably uh, located and situated the best of anybody in the association as far as travel, uh, because it's it's pretty much equal travel to anywhere they need to travel. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of a distance variation, but not. Not not as much as uh, Bryant had, and probably not as much as Robert Morris. But I, I don't think I I really haven't seen anything where they uh, have had any difficulties with or you know actual feelings about the travel. I haven't seen anything where they've uh, uh, stated any you know difficulties. In uh, organizing and uh, um, being able to uh, travel from Pennsylvania to any of the other schools, so I do. I think Robert Morris will probably stay. I <clears throat> I can't uh, I can't foresee anything. Um, like you said, they they are a basketball school, and they really, I believe, I I believe they travel more basketball. So you know, football, they're um, they're going to travel. What maybe I haven't looked at their schedule. I'd have to look at their schedule to see how much travel they actually have this season. I know that they have to come to Semo. Uh, uh, which it really that's not that that's not that much of a distance. What uh ten hour bus trip probably for them. Maybe maybe that's what yeah, probably about a ten hour bus trip, maybe ten and a half hours. So that's that's really not that long a distance if, for that or for them there. Um Brian, on the other hand, that's uh to come to SEMO, of course, they play SEMO at Bryant, so SEMO is going to have to figure out how they're going to travel to Bryant. I would say that that's definitely probably going to be one that's going to fly to, or at least consider flying. Because it's probably, that's probably close to a 12, 14 hour bus trip. I, I can't, I can't see, uh, I can't see Tom, uh, SEMO wanting his, wanting his players on a bus for, 
you know, 14, 15 hours to play a ball game. I think he'd want to, if, if he can swing it and get it through administration, I think he'd want to take it down to a two-hour flight and be fresh, especially uh, they play Cena with Bryant. They're going to, they'll, match, they'll match up last regular season game of the year. So that's going to be an important game. That's going to be an important game for Simo. Uh, and looking at it, that could be a very important game for Bryant, too. Um, you know, we'll kind of we'll kind of get into some of the matchups later on, but uh, as going to get myself back into uh, where we're at as far as this realignment, uh, uh, realignment. And back to Brian, uh, as I stated, I I honestly I can't see anybody that would have any uh, adverse reaction to Brian leaving the Big South because I also and I haven't heard this, so this is strictly my own opinion. But the more I've researched it, the more I've looked. I really don't think Bryant came to the Big South uh, for the long term. And I, I believe that there was probably an understanding at some point that when, when they came to the Big South, it, well, they came to the Big South, I believe, what, last year? Uh, yes, it was last year. Yep. Um, so I'm, I'm sure... Like I said, I can't I can't say, you know, with any certainty because I haven't uh, I haven't confirmed any of that conversation. But um, I would I I'd almost bet that uh, the former commissioner uh, calendar. For the Big South, I'm sure that he discussed it. And I would, I would imagine that Bryant probably come in uh, with the understanding that, hey, this is until we can find, we we need to do something regionally. But right now, this is the only conference that's available for us. You know, at the time, so you know, I think they wanted to move into the Big South because the Big South was a competitive conference when they came in, and looked like it was going to be. And then all of a sudden, there was a mass, mass exodus out of the Big South. Uh, really, with that's the only thing I don't like to see about Bryant. That's the only that's the only adverse reaction that I do have to Bryant leaving. Bryant leaving is it weakens the Big South individually. Because now now that that brings them down to, what, three teams? Yeah. In that conference, three football teams in that conference. You know, we talked about this a couple months ago, uh, what, the long-term, what the long-term arrangement would probably be between the two in the association. And I think this kind of reconfirms the fact that they'll play this term out and see how, see what the effects were, but I believe I I I I think that it's probably going to be something even longer than that now. Um, 
because I, you know, I'm hoping that uh, Commissioner Montgomery, now that she's getting her feet wet in the Big South, uh, I'm hoping that you know, I'm hoping that she's working uh, hard to find maybe one or two teams to come in to you know to join the Big South. I you know I hope that's one of the things on her agenda for. Um, because I hate to see the Big South weaken. Because uh, I don't want to see them become a become the Pac-10 of the SCS. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree. I mean, it is looking that way, um, especially since the uh, since FBS aspirations uh, poached a lot of schools from um, the Big South to the A Sun, uh, which I mean, you know, that experiment's not looking so great right now. But overall, like, I mean, I, I do agree that I don't think there is, like you said, much adverse reactions to Bryant leaving the Big South, which I wanted to open this up to you with um within my article with uh, the, the Big South OBC at 10 members now and even 10 members, uh, a way that they can organize the schedule better would be either divisions with five teams apiece. Um, I think a north south split is the best way to go. Um, or having a uh, three guaranteed opponents per year and then shaping the schedule from there. So I want to know your thoughts on that, Mike. Hmm. Well, boy, I got to put some thought into that. Um, I, under, I, you know, I understand what you're saying. The alliance with the North Division, the South Division. Uh, I would really, really, really be interested to see. I think before I could really form an opinion of that, I would have to see a schedule and see how the see how the score see how the schedule was formulated and see what it involved. Um, and I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to sidestep your question the only thing is that's something that i'd have to research i'd really have to sit down and look into um i like i kind of like the idea of the north and south divisions um now i have one question for you um i did read your article uh of course by memories not what it used to be, but one thing, one one question I have is, how do you believe they would schedule that? Would would, I mean, you've got you would have five and five, obviously. My only, my only question is, how are how would a conference champion actually be? be crowned at the end of the season there. Uh, I mean, do you, do you schedule it to where before the uh, selection, before the selection committee meets, where you go through the schedule 
the very last the very last game on the schedule would be a championship game between the two divisions, and you would have a clear and obvious winner that would get the uh, automatic qualifier. Um, that's where that's the only thing I can think that that me personally. That's one place where I see that the divisions would uh, literally be a benefit, uh, especially after the fiasco last season in the OVC. Um, because nothing, um, nothing pisses me off anymore than what they did last year. There's no way that a team's advancement into the playoffs should have come down to a, to a coin toss. You know, that, uh, yeah, you know, probably going to get me in trouble with the OVC by saying that, if, you know, uh, but I, I, I didn't like to look. I'll put it that way. I just did not like the way it looked nationally. Um, because I, I, I kind of think it put a black eye on the OVC. If they would have just come out and said, okay, hey, SEMO had the best record, SEMO wins. SEMO's the champion. But, uh, you know, I realized that UTM was 5-0 and, was five and in the conference. All right. But if you have a tie within the conference, then they should have went. And instead of a coin toss, it should have been decided by the overall record. And I think you save a little bit of grace that way. Uh, I really do. I, I've also looked at your, at the, you know, I have it now. I, I pulled up your graphic, uh, your pods. Uh, I like that. You know, I mean, I like the way you kind of got it laid out. Uh, because I believe everybody has gotten in FBS, they're really leaning and headed away from divisions. The Big Ten, uh, this is the last year I have in the East and West. They're going to go to an overall uh, schedule, uh, schedule structure. And number one and number two will meet in the, in the championship game, which is kind of interesting there is because now you have the have a very good chance that it's going to be Michigan, Michigan and Ohio State back-to-back game. You know, um, I guess if you're a I guess if you're a fan of Michigan and Ohio State, you, you kind of think, well, that okay, that'd be great. Uh, I don't know how that'd be. I don't know how all that'd be received, but. Overall, I I do I like I like the idea of having the number one and number twos meet. Um, and I'm a fan of the Big Ten. I've been a fan of the University of Illinois, uh, and I've been a fan of Brett Bielema since he's been there. Um, but I, I I just I I firmly believe that the two best teams in the Big Ten last year did not play in, in the championship game. Uh, and I think sometimes in, when you have divisions and if you have a championship game, the weaker team 
sometimes ends up in that championship game. And it's not divided, you know, it's not, uh, it, it, it's not, uh, oh boy. I apologize for lost words, uh, but I just believe it's, uh, not decided, um, respectively at the end of the season when you have the winner of one division, the winner of the other division meet. Because sometimes I think that the stronger teams, there might be a stronger, uh, just a strong, or a, actually a stronger team within the same division that deserves a chance at the championship. Uh, and that's what I'm a fan of. Is I really want to see FCS is FCS the same way. But I want to, I want to see when it comes to the champions champions, I want I want to see the strongest team crowned champion. And I understand the playoffs and everything in FCS, and this has been one of my one of my complaints over the years. And I've gotten bashed on it, but that's another thing. I I am I'm firmly I firmly believe that conferences should have championship games. I really do. I, I, I feel that way in basketball and I feel that way in football. I really like that championship game. Um, that's something I, you know, me interested to hear, hear what you think of that, but I, I really do. I would really like to see a championship game. Before that, before that selection, um, I don't know how it would work out. Like I said, I haven't sat down and done the math, and, uh, but that one game, I think, I think every conference could have one open schedule before the, or one open day in the schedule before the selection. You know, they could have one open day for a, for a championship, and I think it, you know. We constantly see other thing um, you hear all the time in FBS for, and then you hear it in FCS. You hear the the word exposure. Uh, to me, when it comes when it comes to uh, marketing and uh, advertising. There's nothing that sells viewership more than championship, because even the novice fans, when they see championship, chances are they're going to tune over and at least take a peek, and maybe get you know maybe get caught into a really good game instead. And you know, I I I, I consistently hear from uh, fans in the OVC. Um, a couple new acquaintances that I've met that are fans in the in the Big South. Um, I've I've constantly that's the one thing that I've constantly heard is exposure. Um, and now see, I got I got off on a on a big winded thing here, but 
this goes back to Bryant moving into the CAA. Um, another thing there is, I think, with the regionality, that also increases their their exposure because you're going to the biggest conference in SES. Uh, and you're going to play some really good teams. High-caliber teams, there's going to be some high-caliber uh, competition. High-caliber competition breeds recruiting. You know, the, be the better the teams you play, the better recruits you draw. Uh, and the other thing is, too, going, in, going into a conference like that, the words exposure, the more exposure you get, the more the more more recruits want to come and play for you. So you know, uh, that's the roundabout way. I mean, I got off track here as far as as far as your question with the divisions. Um, I guess the biggest thing I could say is I can I can see good and I can see good. The bad, ugly, and a division idea, you know. Um, but I can also see see the good and the bad in uh, just pair, pairing up a straight association too. Uh, the only thing, like I said, all the only thing I think uh, is I don't want to see. A black eye put back, especially after last season. I don't want to see a black eye put back on the association uh, because I think this association may draw some eyes and possibly a little bit of exposure. So I don't want to ruin that exposure and not have a clear cut champion at the end of the year. I, I believe, hopefully, when they worked out this association, hopefully there was some clarity in how they were going to decide a champion at the end of the year to get the automatic qualifier. Um, and the other thing is, too, I don't I don't think it's fair that no one out of the OBC, UTM, shout out to Jason Simpson. Hopefully he'll watch this. But <clears throat> I, I honestly believe that uh, UTM should have got an at-large. Uh, out of the OVC last year. Um, and it's my bad. And I'll admit it. I did not really follow the Big South that much until uh, this season. Uh, and that was honestly, you know, on me. I've done a deep dive. I've started watching, I've, I've watched several several games from last season now. Um, but Gardner-Webb, uh, that's a, that a phenomenal program. Um, but when you go undefeated in that, when you go undefeated in your conference, but you finish six and six, At the end of the season, uh, well, five and six, I guess, at the end of the season, because they did win one playoff game. But 
Um, well, no, they went six and six at the end of the season, I believe. Anyway, um, when you have that kind of a record of non-conference opponents, uh, there too, I in this association, I'm interested to see because that it's hard to get an automatic qualifier when you don't when you don't bode well with and you don't get your wins against the uh, out of conference opponents as well. And uh, you know they Gardner Webb got a well deserved trip to the playoffs last year. Um, but UTM, I believe, would have been a better team, and they did. You know, they didn't even get it. They didn't get that at large. And Gardner Webb got an automatic qualifier because they won the conference, obviously. But there's too much of that throughout the FCS. Now, I think what in 2024 they expand the uh, they expand the playoffs. Yeah, the seed is what I mean. They don't, they're not adding teams, but they're adding seeding. And I think that'll help a little bit. Uh, hmm. Kind of get, I, uh, I don't, what, did what I say make any sense about the, uh, uh, about, you know, your question with the divisions, I guess kind of get back to that since I got off topic. Yeah, no, it's no problem. Yeah. I mean, it, it does make sense. I think, uh, I think a divisional format, like, uh, I think I saw something yesterday where, uh, the CAA used to use divisions, but there was no championship game. It was more of a way to organize the schedule. So if it, if, if it was something like that, where I can see the OBC playing eight conference games a year, which would be four divisionals, four non-divisionals. And so you leave out, the geographic outlier relative to you. I think it's a pretty organized way to do things. So, but also the pods too. So the pods too make a lot of sense. It's just a way of just, I, I think either way, I, I just think at the end of the line, at the end of the day, you need organization when you're forming a schedule. Uh, when you have such a, I mean, now it's not going to be as large a geographic footprint, but when we have a large ge geographic footprint, you need organization. So that's just key. Whatever, whether it's pods or divisions, I'm not I don't really care which one um but I I really feel like either one is a, a good way to um organize things um so yeah no I mean I I I totally agree um I I think I think uh moving on to uh just I guess what's going to happen on the field this year um for the OBC Big South uh I guess I guess one question I want to lead off with I'm sure like a lot of a lot of bystanders and uh, not bystanders, but outsiders, Walter Payton voters are wondering which running back will have the better year this year uh, in the OBC Big South. Will it be Gino Hess or Nari Gaither? Uh, Nari Gaither, of course, was uh, riddled by injuries last year, but finished the year strong for the running Bulldogs. And um, Gino Hess, the elder statesman of the OBC in terms of running backs, just keeps on going in the sixth year, had over 1,600 yards. So, Mike, I want to know your thoughts. Which running back has the better year in the OBC? Well, <laughs> if you would have asked me that question yesterday, I would have told you Geno Hess without hands down. Um, 
And I think you asked me that question today. I, I'm still, I honestly do believe that uh, Simo has a strong team. Um, and they're, uh, I believe they're going to be impressed for uh, a second season. I think they're actually going to be a little bit stronger this season. Um, they're, 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 they're really, they're bringing it, they're bringing in, we're bringing back a lot of uh, experience. They have uh, 43 returning linemen or 43 returning lettermen. Excuse me. I'll learn to talk. Well, by the time I'm 65, um, the return they, they have 17 returning starters on offense, or, or overall 17 returning starters. Excuse me. There's like I said, I believe that their strong side is going to be defense this season. Uh, as far as Geno Hess goes. Um, that is really, really, really going to depend, I believe, on how quickly Simo's offensive line uh, can gel their relatively new offensive line. They uh, so they're 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 going to need to get their work in, um, you know the reports out of camp right now because they're really doing well, and uh, you know coming a long way as far as uh, their. Uh, Development. The said that I mean, and I looked at I was I, we were just discussing this before we went on, um, and I hope no, but I hope no one, no player or coach destroys me. But I'm absolutely horrific when it comes to pronouncing uh, some of the players' names. Uh, boy, I, I mean, I can butcher a name and, and nothing flat. Um, but Simo has Zach Gig returning. Gig, uh, he's the Remington Award winner for most extent, most outstanding line uh, center in SES. So there, you have some senior leadership on the line, and then of course they have uh, Kobe. Love this name, Six Killer. Coming back right next to him as a guard. I believe he's the right guard. Um, so here again, I, I, I stretched, but this is where I think the experience of Gino in the backfield um, and see how 
see how things develop on the line. But uh, through the middle, right in the A gap, I think you're you're gonna you're that's gonna be your strongest part of the line, and I that's kind of gonna be an area where Gino's gonna excel. Um, he's low to the ground, low center of gravity. Uh, so he he's hard to arm tackle. Um, he's very hard to arm tackle, actually. Um, but I think uh, also Neil. Um, let's see here. And I'm absolutely horrible at uh, pronouncing uh, running back for Gardner Webb's name, so I don't want to butcher it. So I just I'll go with his last name and Gaither. Um, he's one. I, I as I said before, I I I really didn't see that much, but I have watched. I have went back and watched some tape. Uh, he runs well. I, I I I like his shiftiness. I really do. I I really like the way he runs. Uh, I believe he's he's got some deceptive speed when he gets when he gets in the open field. Uh, he's got some strength and power. Obviously, um, I. Uh, I just, I'm not, I guess I'm torn between the two. Um, but really, uh, Nari, I'll try to keep that. Pretty, but I, I, I believe that, you know, he, he, he's a smaller back. He's more of a, you know, I've always, I've, he he's gonna run outside he run outside the tackles more. Uh and I just believe that when you if you've got a good inside running game, it just seems like the that opens up more possibilities for that busted long runs, which Gino is known for. He he does bust some long runs. I really honestly think just Overall, performance-wise, I believe Geno's the better is the better back. No disrespect, no disrespect to Nari at all, because I do believe that he's a quality back. Um, me per my personal opinion of Geno is I believe he's an NFL back. Uh, I'm not I'm not quite as certain that Nari is an NFL quality, caliber back. I believe he's a good FCS back, but I believe Gino, Gino, I believe he would be successful in the FBS, and I believe he, I believe he is an NFL caliber back. Um, so you know, you, yes, I guess now that it's taken twenty minutes to say this, <laughs> but uh, I, I honestly do. I think. 
I'm I'm going to have to I'm going to have to just break down and say Gino is going to have better seats. Uh, but then again, it comes down to any given Saturday barring injury. Injury is going to be the big outlier. Health, health is always the big outlier. We don't know what the health is going to be. But if both of if both backs can stay healthy, um, really overall talent wise, I, I I really do believe that Gino is going to be the uh, better back. I believe he'll be two or three steps ahead of Nari. And the other thing is too. I mean, they're both on the Walter Payton watch list as running backs. So. But I, I honestly think that Gino really does have a chance at the end of the year to be right back up there in that finalist talk, uh, especially if he has anywhere close to as productive se- uh, the season as he had last year, because I feel like this year he'll be doing with a little bit less talent up front. And if he has that, I think that's going to put him right up there in, in the in the discussion for the Walter Payton Award. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. So I think for me, I, I think Heswell the better year. Uh, I think um, the thing with Gaither, I think um, it'll be interesting to see with the step up in competition, playing against uh, more OPC schools, obviously, than last year. Uh, also, a couple of FBS schools as well in East Carolina and Appalach- in Appalachian State. And, of course, Elon. Last year, uh, Nari Gaither did not play in the Elon game. I'm interested to see how he does this year against uh, the Phoenix this year in Week 2. So, I do think there is a step in competition. Um, and I think uh, with that, with uh, more Big South teams being added to the schedule for uh, on the case of, excuse me, of Hess, I think Hess will thrive with that. So, It'll be an interesting dynamic to see for sure. I mean, because it is a step in competi- competition. Both backs are amazing. I'm excited to see who ends up with, with a better year for sure. Uh, but I do think that is a leading storyline in the OVC this year uh, from a player perspective as well, or from a player perspective. Uh, going on to some matchups, uh, what are some matchups that you're looking forward to, Micah, this year in the OVC Big South? Oh, boy. Um. Actually, there's several matchups that I'm really, really looking forward to to seeing. Um, one is not an inter it's it's not an interconference matchup. It's an FBS FCS matchup. Uh, only the biggest reason that I mention this is. Uh, I'm really excited to see how Tennessee State fares in prime time at 3 p.m. on NBC and Peacock uh, against Notre Dame. I, I'm that's uh, to me that that's a respectability game for the association. Um. Do I do I believe that Tennessee could pull off the upset uh, and beat Notre Dame? No, honestly, I don't. 
Um, but I believe also um, Eddie George could could possibly. I, I believe he's going to have Tennessee State. He's going to have them prepared. Um, Tennessee State's kind of a they're kind of a funny team uh, because I I absolutely love um, Eddie George I really do I respect him a lot for all of his accomplishments and I think he's a good coach um, but, uh, man, that's been an underachieving team, but it, and it just has it, the talent that has went through. And this is a historic, just from a historic, historical standpoint, the talent that has went through Tennessee state and the success that Tennessee state has had, uh, unfortunately, they just have a history of underachieving. Um, and, you know, Eddie took a step back last season after, you know, his second season. He took a step back. He, ended, he was four and seven overall, two and three in the conference. Um, so, I believe he he's going to have. He, they're that they're, they're going to have to uh, really show some improvement this year. They've got a running. They've got a running back themselves that I think is, uh, um, you know, kind of worth keeping your eye on. Jalen Riles. He's a he's a uh, junior, little undersized, um, but an FBS that kind of puts him in the in the mix for decent sized, I guess you could say. Um, and I'd really like to see Draylon Ellis. I'd, I'd like to see how Draylon Ellis performs against Notre Dame. Um, I, because I feel like Draylon, Draylon Ellis is one that has aggravated me through his career. Uh, because Tennessee State's kind of a second chance for him. And I thought I would. I'd really, really, really like to see him uh, perform at his maximum capabilities. I believe I believe he can. Um, and I'm hoping that Eddie can uh, motivate him to come out. Um, so, you know, I am, I'm looking forward to the Notre Dame-Tennessee State game. Uh, I guess just because it's going to have lights and pageantry and it's the first, you know, it's going to be a nationally televised game. It's Notre Dame. Uh, plus, I want to see how Notre Dame comes out as well. Uh, I really um, – man, there are several games this season that I'm very interested in. Um, another another game 
is an FBS FCS matchup, and that's going to be SEMO against Kansas State. Uh, going into going into Manhattan, uh, Kansas State. I didn't see the AP poll today. I believe they were seventeenth. I know they're they're ranked in the top twenty. Um, I know USA Today poll they were seventeen, I believe. <clears throat> but I believe that that's another game that I really, really am interested to see how it plays out. Um, in my in my preview, I pay I pick Simo as one of the as possibly one of the upsets to watch. Um, because I think. First game, uh, FCS overlooked. Here you're coming in with, you know, Simo's coming in with a veteran quarterback, um, two veteran wide receivers. Here again, Geno Hess. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're coming in with a lot of talent. And they've got a stacked – SEMO has a stacked defense. That's definitely going to be the strongest side of the ball. For um, if Kansas State makes a mistake and comes out flat for the first game, overlooks a little bit, thinking, you know, thinking past, thinking this is just going to be a practice, you know, more of a – more of just a scrimmage against the JV. Uh Ask Michigan what happens when you overlook overlook your opponent and they come in and slap you in the face. So I mean that 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 could be a, that I think that's going to be an interesting game, and also it's going to be a great gauge of just exactly how good Simo is. I think how how they can how they can perform against um, equal and better talent. Because when it you know if if they do what I expect and perform up to up to the caliber of team that I expect them to perform to this year, um, they're they could go they could make a deep run in the FCX in the playoffs, um, and they're going to play more talented teams. Saying you know. Uh, North Dakota State, North and South Dakota State, uh, for example, they're going to play those. So I think really, you know, even though it is the first game, it's going to be interesting to see what how how they've come together, how they perform in that first game, and how they do. I don't want to say against superior talent, but hey, let's call it what it is. Kansas State is superior talent. It's an FBS school, but yeah, I think if they if they play competitively, that's going to that's going to go a long way. Of uh, um, kind of giving a good look at what SEMO is going to be, and uh, the other one here again, SEMO again. Uh, I'm because I'm really interested. I I love rivalry games. I absolutely love rivalry games, and uh, this season, SEMO's got to go to. They have to go to Southern. And last year, Southern came into SEMO in late May, and Southern walked away, walked away the winner. So, 
that one I'm I'm really going to be looking forward to. Um, and that's going to be kind of hard for me because being from Illinois, but also I've got some I've, this season. Uh, my fandom is going to be kind of focused in on Southern um, because we've got a boy that's uh, kind of uh, near and dear to me because you can't blame Hallie come out of uh, Olympia Olympia High School. Um, he's an offensive lineman. But uh, his head coach was, is the son of my head coach, my high school head coach. So I'm really interested. I'm excited to, to see how he plays. But, uh, you know, so I'm going to have a little bit of fandom in that game. You know, um, a little bit, you know, because I am kind of partial to Southern Illinois. That I really, uh, I really, really, really enjoy the head coach uh, at Southern. I, uh, overall, um, I just, I just really like the overall talent of Cena. So, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be another game that I'm interested in. I really want to see. Um, well, there, I mean, there, there are several games that I really am looking forward to putting a, putting a highlight on to see. Um, Another another game I'm really looking forward to seeing towards the front three weeks of the schedule is uh, Robert Morris and Youngstown State. Uh, because Youngstown State's coming in. Um, and I believe that Every poll ought to have them ranked up higher. Some having the twenty, have them at uh, just on the outside bubble. Others have them coming in at twenty, you know, twenty four, twenty five. I, I, I really believe that uh, the Dakotas might want to look out because I think that. Uh, the Ohio powerhouse is on its way back. And that would be exciting to see. Uh, I would really like to see Youngstown, come, Youngstown State come back to being a perennial power. And I believe they're headed in the right direction. I honestly do. But I'm, I'm interested to see just exactly how Robert Morris performs against somebody, that, a team of that caliber. Because um, that's another team that just really aggravates the heck out of me. Um, because the one team, the one team in the Big South that I'm familiar with that I have, and I have watched an awful, awful lot of their um, film is RMU. Um, just because I just, I guess I couldn't believe that they were that bad last season. You know, uh, so I, I, I did. I wanted to. I wanted to go back and watch some tape. I didn't do a lot of breakdown on them, but I did watch some tape on them. Um, unfortunately, 
to be very honest, they have a lot of improvement to do overall. Um, you know, I mean, no disrespect, uh, no disrespect at all aimed, aimed towards uh, Coach Clark at our end. Um, but 0-11, uh, obviously, you know, when you finish 0-11, you have a lot of, there's a lot of work that needs, that a lot of work to be done. A lot, a lot of work to do, especially when, you know, the season before you, um, you have a rather good season, not, not a winning season, but you have a four and six season in, overall. So, you know, to come back to that and lose every game, uh, I'm hoping Coach Clark down there from Guyana, you know, uh, get the wagons in a circle and get that, get them headed back in or you know, in the right direction. Um, so I am. I, I want. I just want to see how overall RME performs against performs against Youngstown State. Then um, again, like I said, in the first three weeks of the of the season, you know, we talked there again a, a rivalry in the making, I believe. But uh, Lindenwood, Southeast Missouri. I, I'm really looking forward to that um, because if there's a coach that has impressed me the most in the OVC, um, it's been uh, Deb Scott. I don't know. I'm sorry, Jed. Uh, but Jed Stuggard at Landedworth, I think that he has proved that he is one of the premier co coaches in not only the OVC Big South Association this season, but I think he's established he's one of the better coaches in the nation. Um, I I just really I was just really impressed with uh, the composure of Landedworth all season last year. Um, you know, it was their first season in D1 play. And they ended up seven and three overall. Their three losses were conference losses, granted. But they didn't get blown out by any means. Um, their loss the only loss that was really one-sided, in my opinion, uh, was the Southeast Missouri game. Um, they played UTM. UTM, UTM come out, you know, 56-26. Uh, I kind of thought that that was, I don't know. It was the third, the third game of the season for Lindenwood. I think they just kind of ran into a talent barrier there, right off the bat. Um, but those were the only two games that were really uh, a wide separation in score. Um, and I think that that gap will kind of close this season. 
they ended up, they beat Eastern Illinois last season in overtime. Um, they uh, lost by one point to Tennessee Tech. I think, and that's the thing I think with this association, as I said, I, I really honestly think outside of the top three, um, SEMO, UTM, and Gardner Webb. When you get to that, when you get to that fourth team, down to about the uh, um, seventh team, eighth team in there, I really think you got a jam. There was a log jam there as far as the talent. I believe the talent right in that, right in that gap in that space is almost impossible to predict because any one of those teams can any one of those teams can come out of there as the number four team. Any one of those teams can beat either any one of those teams. Uh, and when those teams play, those are going to be games that I'm going to really look at it too as far as uh, where my focus is going to be on the, on the game of the week. Uh, but that's that's going to be one of the things I'm going to be really looking at is the competition in those games. I'm going to highlight there's, – there's going to be games in there I'm going to highlight. Um, and right now it's too early to tell what games I will highlight uh, until I start seeing – until you start seeing that competition. Now, after you see the first couple of weeks, you're going to get a good gauge of what teams you really want to go see. What I want, you know, see where that where that center of the division is going to be talent wise. Um, I guess one more one more game that I'm really excited for because I love it, and I'm hoping some way they can. Manage a way to uh, keep it in existence, um, and that's Eastern Illinois and Illinois State. One of the long, one of the one of the oldest rivalries in the nation, uh, and there's a lot of history there because. Coach Spack at uh, ISU was an assistant coach for Bob Spoo at Eastern Illinois. And he was um, one of had uh, uh, Coach Wilkerson's mentors. He was one. He was a. He was a. He coached at Eastern when uh, Coach Wilkerson played at Eastern. So that you know, there's there's a little bit of a backstory in that rivalry, um, but from the area that I live in, <clears throat> um, for me, that's always been one of my most anticipated rivalries. Uh, you know, Illinois, the University of Illinois has rivalry between you know Illinois and Northwestern. Um, this season, that rivalry, we don't even want to discuss that. And that whole catastrophe that's going on with Northwestern and their program. Um, but as far as interstate rivalries, that's one of the best. And I, 
uh, where I live, I'm an hour north uh, eastern and about an hour south of Illinois State. So that's one that I really look forward to. Um, the other, you know, another thing too is a lot of local kids end up uh, maybe not playing playing football at Eastern or Illinois State, but in other sports, an awful lot. There's an awful lot of uh, student athletes from this area that end up at both schools. So you know, that's always that's always like I said, every year is one of my favorite rivalries. And it's worth it. Um, I'm hoping, I hope, I'll be able to attend that rivalry game this season. Um, it'll be at uh, Eastern this year. Um, and uh, I really do. I really hope I can make it down there to watch it. I was able, I was able to make it to Bloomington last season to watch the Bloomington, watch uh, Illinois State and Bloomington play. So. I'm really, I'm really excited about that one. Um, you know, and then again, I guess really, there's a lot of other there, there, there's several other names, but those are those are the ones that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, you cover most of them for me. Um, I'm really looking forward to Lindenwood, uh, Southeast Missouri. I do think that's a rivalry in the making. I'm excited for a lot of the non-conference games for um, the OBC uh, Big South. They have a lot of opportunities to really show their might on the national stage. I know Brian's Brian's got Princeton this year. Um, and uh, also as well, I saw that UT Martin has Samford. At the end of the season, that could be a great statement for them if it comes down to it for them to make a statement for an at-large bid. Uh, also, too, Charleston Southern has the opportunity not just play William and Mary, but host them in Charleston. So we'll see if the fan, if the Buccaneers fans show out in North Charleston. Uh, that one should be a fun environment out there. So those are just a few I'm looking forward to. Uh, at the FBS level, I'm looking forward to Robert Morris, a uh, Youngstown State as well. I think that's a good one as well, too, just to see um, how much the Colonials improved. But also, too, uh, just looking at the St. Francis game as well. I wouldn't sell the St. Francis game short. Former rivals in the NEC and uh, a playoff team last year um, as as uh, St. Francis uh, almost ran through um, pretty effortlessly the Northeast Conference last year. So plenty of opportunities in non-conference for OBC schools to build a resume um and show their might to the rest of the FCS and um the national media like us on um, but that's all that's that's all that's all really I had to cover Mike did you have anything final to add about the OBC uh anything else we should look for uh anywhere else we can find you well um no not 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 really as far the OBC this season, um, I'm really overall. I'm I'm just inter- I'm I'm excited about the OBC. Um, probably more than I have been in the past past few several you know past few years. I think that the uh, I think the OBC, um, and I'm speaking of the OBC. I realize you know. 
not the Big South, um, but the OVC in general and the teams in general in the OVC. I believe, you know, over the the past several seasons, the OVC has really been looked down on as an inferior conference. Uh, looking at some of the players coming in, and we've I've rattled long enough about things and probably kind of and went over, but um, the talent level being recruited and coming in this season and for the twenty four for the yeah. Uh, 24 recruiting cycle overall uh, throughout the OVC. Um, I believe it's on the talent levels on an upward trend. Uh, and I think they're getting stronger and I think they're competent. They're going to compete with teams outside of the conference more than they have in the past. Uh, I'm not, I, I don't think, I still think, uh, even even with recent success to CMO and what I expect out of CMO this season, um, I don't think anyone can deny that uh, UTM and Coach Simpson is probably the cream of the crop in the OVC oh, with the overall success uh, of the the last oh since the COVID debacle since you know the COVID year I I believe OV the UTM has probably been the middle of the the more talented team throughout um, CMO has really done a great job of recruiting uh, and putting putting together a, a very nice program. And building uh, through the the past few years, so I'm really you know those two teams there they they stand out. I I, I honestly do believe that they're um, just ahead above everybody else. Gardner Webb is right on that. They're right on a bubble. They're on a very fine line. <clears throat> I know in the coaches' poll they picked them to finish second and UTM to finish third. You know, well, I, you know, I wouldn't be me if I didn't disagree with something. And I really don't see that. I I, I think Gardner-Webb is probably the third the third best team. Um, they have uh, Tennessee Tech picked in fourth and Tennessee State picked in fifth. Um, I don't really want to bust their, you know, burst anybody, but I can, I can see Bryant being right there. I really do. I, I, I really like Brian's quarterback, Zach Ekus. I really do like him. I think he's going to be right in contention with the Walter Payton Award as well. Um, so, I mean, they're, I, I, I'm really excited about the OVC. I'm going to single out the OVC. I'm really excited to see how they improve especially with uh, the uh, association and consolidation with the Big South. Because I think, uh, like you said earlier, you're bringing in comparable talent. I believe the, con the competition level, I believe, is going to be really good. Um, you know, the, 
I just, I, I guess, before I close out, uh, you know, the one big thing is I really want to see good football this fall out of all. I don't want to, because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to see a whole bunch of sloppy play and flagstone for this and flat. I, I, it is really hard to promote a conference when a majority of the teams in the conference, um, you can't stand to watch the games because they're flag ridden or turnover ridden. And I'm, you know, I've watched several games that are just, uh, uh, neither side can hold on to the ball. Or neither, you know, or one side just the the you know one when when it's in, when the competition's not there when it's a one sided game, and that's why I think that when I keep looking at this schedule and I keep looking at the teams in the in the association, I honestly do believe what I said is I believe that there's going to be some really good football play. Uh, I really do. Um, That I mean, that's pretty much you know all I have. Um, I think uh, one another thing I'd like to say is uh, I'm not going to go through the list, but there were several players out of the association that got uh, um, placed on national watch lists. So I think that bodes well for the association. I think that gives it a little bit of respectability there. Um, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting at the end of the season uh, to see how this all shapes. But I, I would jump for joy if in the inaugural season they had an automatic qualifier and in that large. Uh, if that ha- if that would happen, I I really think that is something that would put an awful lot of respectability back. And this association would gain an awful lot of respectability. Uh, and you know, I'm going to be really interested to see how Western Illinois performs this season in the Missouri Valley. Kind of just see where where they're going to shape up coming into the OVC next season. We'll get a good gauge of just exactly where they're going to how they're going to compete in the OVC, and I think that's going to be interesting. Um, is there anything else I'm because I've ran my mouth probably uh, an hour longer than I should have. Uh, and I hope everybody understands that once we get talk, once we get to talking about the OVC and now the association with the, with the Big South, um, and we get to talking about football in general, uh, I get pretty excited. Uh, that's just the 
you know, the old, the old, uh, the old school newspaper and radio in me, uh, you know, just a, just an old school football fan. Uh, because I do, I really get excited about the, uh, about the season. Um, and this season, as of right now, about the only place, about the only place that uh, you'll be able to catch me that I know of right now um, will be uh, right here as far as the podcast goes. Um, you know, I know I'm saying golf name, but I uh, don't have any. I don't have anything on the agenda right now as far as any other podcast. I have had a couple talk to me a little bit in just roundabout conversation. Of course, um, you know, I'd appreciate people checking out my articles in uh, um, Red Shirt Sports um, and follow me on Twitter at Terrell Mike. and give me some feedback about my articles. Let me know how, what they've been. Um, hopefully, they, hopefully no one ever agrees with me. I want, I want to know just exactly what they disagree in. Uh, and if, 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 if they see and hear things that I need to know, um, you know, and have stories or backgrounds of things that we can cover. Well, what happened here? Oh, okay. Uh, all of a sudden, my, my screen just went black. Uh, I apologize. Uh, but if anybody has any stories or any ideas of um, material that, that they would like me to look into and discuss, and get the, you know, um, shoot them out, DM. Is always open, uh, and you know, leave me a message on Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can pretty much find me just about anywhere you want to. <coughs> um, another thing that I just kind of wanted to touch on, uh, Omar. Uh, do you think we should maybe possibly tell everybody who we have kind of lined up as a guest coming up? Uh, I mean, until until the deal's sealed, um, I don't want to give anything away. So, well, good because that just kind of keeps everybody wondering who we've got coming. Let's put it this way: it's in the works to. Uh, have somebody on that I think everybody will be extremely interested in. Uh, and I really am interested to hear and see what what we develop. Um, I guess follow me on Twitter, follow Omar on Twitter and uh, find out who this mystery is. Find out who this mystery guest is we're talking about and we'll keep you updated. Absolutely. And I mean, this has been a pleasure. I've learned so much about the OVC and Big South, as I always do, Mike. 
Um, but until next time, everyone, peace, love, and soul. Out.